Ohio State starts the year off right. We recap the show or the game, excuse me, the Rose Bowl on Monday. Today, Mo Murphy is here to start wrapping up the season. Mo Murphy from the Off the Ball Network will be with us to give our final thoughts about the Rose Bowl. A certain player, Buckeye player, enters the NFL draft and then discuss what's next for your Ohio State Buckeyes right here in this live episode of Locked on Buckeyes. You are Locked on Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Buckeyes for the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is a Monday evening on January 3rd in the year 2022. And today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more the man the myth the legend is back mo murphy a fan a listener of your favorite he is back with us the rose bowl was fun and i'm glad you're with us to wrap up the season and talk about that amazing game well the game the buckeyes won wasn't amazing from start to finish but amazing game a game we'll be talking about for a very long time yeah i mean first off happy new year bro uh you know happy new, new year, year. Whole bunch of new opportunities, but as always, I'm honored when I get to come on here and just talk strictly Buckeyes. You know, you got two motor mouths that we could talk three hours about this, but I, know, I respect that we have a short amount of time, but always a fun time coming on here. Yes, it is. Mo, what was fun in this game was the second half, watching that defense play in a way that I don't believe we have seen them play all year long. What was not fun in this game was Ohio State getting down 14-0 early. They had all the missed tackles. They had all the things going wrong defensively that we didn't like. A lot of highlights on offense. But from what you saw, what were some thoughts you had during the Rose Bowl early, midway through, at the end of the game, a couple days after? What do you think about the 2022 Rose Bowl that the Buckeyes won? So going into the game, um, you know, prior to the game, I saw the 11 Warriors and you tweet out the availability or the unavailability list. And so I saw everybody who's missing. 24 scholarship players, majority of them on defense. We knew Haskell Garrett, Petit Ferrer, uh, Garrett Wilson, Olave weren't playing. We knew that. They had already you – know, there was thoughts that Olave may play, but other than that, all the other guys, we knew they weren't playing. But then we saw Noah Potter, uh, you know, Jean-Baptiste was a, mm-hmm. was a game-time decision. Mm-hmm. No Seven Banks, no Crawley, no Marcus Williamson. We moved Cade Stover, the linebacker, from tight end during bowl practice. So when it first started, I was like, yep, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be like. Defensively, like I had zero hope for our defense to play absolutely amazing. I mean, with majority of your guys, a lot of your starters not playing, uh, Tyler Friday, a lot of our best players didn't play. It was all on the young guys. What did you expect? Like this is their first, some of those guys' first real live action in an important game that this was a tryout. Essentially, that's how I looked at this game. Uh, you know, I was talking to one of my homeboys before, and he was like, man, I'm going to bet on Utah because I can see Ohio State laying down. And I said, well, if these guys lay down, there's going to be a problem because they're fighting for starting spots next year. Yes. So this yes. was an evaluation for next year for everybody. Uh, and then, obviously, we got going. We're going to halftime down 35-21, but we get the ball back. So I'm like, I mean, there's – I stayed optimistic that, like, if we score, we do what we haven't done on Utah all game yet. We put pressure on them. To, to have to react because they've been proactive. They were scoring touchdowns. Everything was going great for them. 
but uh, you know, after we scored and it made it 35 28, like now we put some pressure on them because now we're within striking distance. We hadn't been in striking distance in Utah's eyes all game. So how do they respond? So I mean, they didn't they kind of respond our defense stepped up in the second half. Uh looked promising. We we know we have some playmakers, we know we have some top-notch recruits coming in. So I'm not as concerned. We know we're bringing uh, you know, we're bringing a, a top-tier defensive coordinator who, who was the coordinator of an elite defense. So I'm not as concerned because I know it's a complex defense, but I think he gets it figured out year one because he has the athletes, he has the playmakers to do it, that all we needed was a guy to put these guys in the right position. We talked about it. How many times will you have me on here during the season that it's not the talent that concerns us, it's just the way the talent's being used. So watching that, and then obviously, like, the story is C.J. Stroud and, and J.S.N. Like those, that's the story of the game, their historic performance, JSN breaking a record. And like Jeff had pointed out, we talked about this man broke a record. There's about 30 bowl games a year. that have been happening for about a hundred years. And he had a performance that we never seen in any bowl game of all the bowl games ever played. JSN played, had the greatest performance a wide receiver has ever had. And CJ Stroud, he's a guy like, that's what I got from this. We have next year, you know, the NFL scouts will be watching and it's going to be between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud all year as who's going to be the number one pick. So that's like some of my biggest takeaways from that is we do have a guy probably if not, he's going to be one B as a contender going into the season as a Heisman favorite. So, I mean, and he is a guy and I'm excited. You know, I know we'll talk about it, but I'm excited going into next year with a lot of the things that I did see. We could be negative and pick them apart, but I stay positive. That's why I was so excited about pulling off the victory. Dude, man, this game here, the victory that we got, knowing that there was a conversation that stays in-house inside the locker room, and I love that Ryan Day is keeping that stuff in the locker room where we don't know what was said. We know DeMario McCall's name was exposed as someone that did step up and speak. Ryan Day backed off. I think that showed us two things. One, this team with their current talent and current coaches, they can do it on defense. We saw numerous times throughout this year they didn't do it on defense. We know they can do it on defense. Another exciting thing is we have a new defensive coordinator that's done amazing, that did amazing things at Oklahoma State that I do believe can do amazing things at Ohio State with this current roster. I, I don't think you have to go to the portal for any position on defense to have to have a successful defense next year. That's a very exciting thing to me is we could just stick with who we have, the roster we have right now on defense, Mo, and then come next year, the defense – could be looking as good as the offense did this year. Yeah, and I think here's the thing that people don't think about, and here's why I know Knowles is a great defensive coordinator, because he had an elite defense in the Big 12. Yes, yes. Conference where defense does not exist. He had an elite defense in one games on that side of the ball. Uh, We know typically there's not a lot of defensive backs, linebackers coming out of Oklahoma State. So to be able to do that with lesser talent, you're going to have a plethora of talent. The, the floor is going to be yours to get whoever you want, whenever you want over these next couple of years. Um, so I, I see no, no way he fails, you know, unless it was fluke in Oklahoma State. But when I see what he did with lesser talent, like you're getting five-star recruits, you're getting future first-round picks, you're getting future day-two picks, you know, one first, second, and third-round guys that you're going to be able to work with over the next couple of years. So I have some confidence, and it was a tale of two halves defensively. Came out, you know, terrible. But I think we just found some motivation in the second half. And at the end of the day, these guys knew. You go into halftime, who knows what was said. But these guys knew this is a tryout. 
This is live action for you to for Ryan Day to get his depth chart coming into spring practice. You only have one game to prove yourself after an amazing spring practice, after the amazing spring practices, and that's against your own teammates. So yep, it's yep. still tough for coaches to really evaluate. But when he can look at how you played in spring and he could go back to the film to really create, he's already going to have a depth chart created going into spring. He's already going to have an idea who goes where. Knowles has a reference point for current players on his roster. How did he play in Utah in this situation? I want to see what he did. Okay, this is how they started off slow, but this guy answered big in the second half. This is what, and he's going to look at that second half and be like, okay, I got the best version out of pretty much everybody. That's when everybody played their best football defensively. So he's going to find his guys, build his depth chart on the defensive side of the ball. Ryan Date. This was a game to have real evaluation on who is where next year. And I think a couple people answered the call, and we know their spots are solidified as Marvin Harrison Jr. is wide receiver two. JSN is wide receiver one, as expected. And CJ Stroud has nothing to worry about as the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Hey, Buckeye fans. This is Jay Stevens with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE, that's S-C-O-R-E, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card or Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're tapped into Locked On Buckeyes here on a Monday evening live, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. I want to thank everyone out there for making Locked On Buckeyes their first listen or first watch of every single day. Mo, you mentioned something earlier. I want to circle back to talk about a little number here. Jackson Smith and Jigba, most receiving yards in a college football game, in a what's a college football bowl game, 347, the most, and I do believe this is accurate, the most rushing yards in a college football game, Samaj P. Ryan, 2014, 427. I mean, let that sink in. We're used to maybe an amazing receiver, 150, 200, maybe, maybe 250. This cat had running back type big game numbers on 15 catches. And I know you talked about it on Jeff's show. Mo, he could have had 350, four touchdowns if he didn't fumble. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that's that's the thing is like he even though he broke the record, he breaks that 350 and gets a fourth touchdown. If if you know there wasn't you gotta applaud the guy for defense for Utah for not allowing him to be beaten and still playing all the way to the last inch because if if he gives up, Smith Najigba walks in, you know, walks in the end zone, gets his fourth touchdown. So as amazing as it was, it could have been even more impressive. You had another touchdown, probably about 10 more yards. So he break he gets close to 360, but off of 15 catches, like you know, that, <laughs> that's, that's stupid. Was, that is stupid. That's ridiculous. Like, you know, I, I'm not the greatest in math here, but that's about what almost 20 yards to catch. Like, yeah. it's not far off. So, I mean, you know, that's that's insane. And I get, you know, there's the cop out that you know the guy was a former running back, but I don't really want to hear that because then if we're gonna applaud Utah's offense, we have a former running back playing linebacker. We had a tight end who played tight end all year move to linebacker in bowl games. So maybe that's why we gave up big plays and Utah's offense looked so well. So, and they still didn't have that type of performance. So I just, I hate that. It's like, you want to, when greatness happens, you always try and find a way to, to take away from it instead of just allowing it to be great. And I live in that moment of greatness. You always got to deplete it and figure out a way to, to pick apart, you know, greatness. And that's why I just, I, I looked at this game as a whole in, in a positive aspect, because at the end of the day, it was a heck of a way to end the season and have a lot of hope at some to know that we're not worried about our quarterback, to know that we're not worried about playmakers on offense, to know that we have a great defensive coordinator coming in next year. Like there's so much upside to know that we have one of the top recruiting classes and a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball returning, which means we were very young. That was a big reason why we were as bad defensively as we can remember mm-hmm. uh, in Ohio's, at least of recent memory for Ohio State. But all the most of those guys are coming back, so it, it's so much positivity in that game. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I even, I was surprised I was able to even convince a guy like Jeff because I know y'all two are the hardest two critics I've <laughs> ever heard of Ohio State. So when I was able to convince Jeff, like, hey, there are some great things that came out of this game. I was like, you know what? Because it, it was just, it was when you win a game like that, you just got to be happy and pumped, and then evaluating what we're gonna look like next year. That's that's my biggest thing. You know, one of my friends actually said something to me, I think yesterday, about me being tough on people at on Ohio State. And they oh, were yeah. like, you don't like Ryan Day. I said, well, I, I never said I don't like Ryan Day. I'm just tough on Ryan Day. There's a difference. I like Ryan Day. I'm really glad that he is our coach uh, at, at Ohio State. Jeremy Johnson, Troy, thanks for chop, hopping in the chat. We'll get to the comments here in a second. We want to move right into a Buckeye player that entered the NFL draft on Monday, and it's not the player that I expected it maybe to be. There may be some other players. I know Dewan Jones has been speculating 50-50, staying in school, going to the NFL draft. I suggest him staying in school, but he's going to get his advice from people that he knows that are NFL people, so he's going to do his thing. But Master Teague entered the NFL draft. And, Mo, before we get to you, when he decided to do the senior day ceremony earlier this year, I think before the Michigan State game, I thought that was a sign that he was going to transfer, either transfer to a like a not a non-contender power five school, um, a lower level power five school, say at Indiana or somebody like that. That's like, you know, you, you get what I'm saying when I say that yeah. or transfer to a group of five school. He can play right away, get more playing time in college. I don't see him being an NFL. I'm not going to. He's a good, I, great young man. I've heard nothing but positive, good things about him. Um, His dad I, comes from a great family. All things I've heard. Great young man comes from a great family. Excited for his future. Go for the NFL. Like if that's your dream, try it. Like you don't know unless you try. But I thought he was going to transfer. 
He sees NFL. He has NFL aspirations. He thinks the time to go do it is now. He's he's graduated from Ohio State. He has his degree. That's an amazing thing as well. He goes to the NFL draft. What are your thoughts about Master Teague's future, possible future in the National Football League? If you would have asked me that question going into this year, I'd have a different response. Okay. Because okay. Master Teague was supposed to be running back one for us. That's we know it. he's coming off an injury. Um, but it, as soon as he was healthy, it was like his spot to keep. But then Travion Henderson played well. Um, you know, so we we we've we've had a three running back system all year. You know, Master, I just he's not elusive enough to me. I haven't seen he's he's not enough east and west. For today's NFL, you need to be able to do it all, pass, catch, uh, run. Obviously, he can run north to south, and he can run block. Like, I, I have no – but he'd almost be like, could you implement a fullback in your system and have a guy he's like – big enough, though. I, for, a, for a league that doesn't have fullbacks, I think so. Like, okay. at this okay. point, we're not fullback. You could go in shotgun, have him big body, and then have your elusive running back back there as well. Um, but as far as his draft stock, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to start getting into the NFL draft. He, he's sixth, seventh round undrafted free agent at best based on his performance this year. There's a lot of great things you've seen from him in his career at Ohio state, but even still, you never looked at him as that guy. Mm -hmm. Like he was never, especially when you talk about what comes from Ohio state. I mean, even Trey Sermon, you know, transferred to Ohio state, had a breakout year, was able to get drafted in the third round. You know, shout out to Trey Sermon, but he wasn't Beanie Wells or Carlos Hyde or Ezekiel Elliott or J.K. Dobbins. It was like it was different. It was almost mm -hmm. like he's too small to be a fullback, but, you know, he's too big to be an elusive great running back. So, I mean, at best, he gets on a team, gets his opportunity in preseason to prove it. But he's your third running back on the on your depth chart if he makes your team. So, I mean, and it's no knock on him. That's just yeah. that's what the film will tell you. That's what the stats will tell you. I don't really think any draft guys are going to fall in love with him as a prospect. So I really don't know if he gets drafted, let alone really remains on a, you know, NFL roster after preseason. Like if he shows out in preseason, he might get opportunity, but I don't really see, I, I think transfer was the route for him. Like it just, there's nowhere I see, there's no team I see that they could, they're a master teeth away from having an effective offense and, you know, when you're that, if you can't answer that question, you probably don't get drafted, especially at running back, unless somebody just wants to snag you late. But I don't see scouts falling in love with this guy, you know, Master Teague, as far as an elite, you know, uh, an elite recruit, whatever, heading into the draft. So I'm, I'm surprised. When I saw that, I was surprised. Yes, I was very surprised as well. 2018 was his freshman year, had 17 carries, 106 on the ground, 6.2 yards of pop, one touchdown, backup duty, kind of mop-up duty. You're going to get so you going to sometimes get some of those games. The very next year, 2019, remember Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, an, ama an amazing, amazing team. 135, 100, 135 carries, 789 on the ground, 5.8 yards of pop, four touchdowns. That was also the year that a lot of the second half, the guys weren't playing. So, like, your, your starters weren't playing. He was getting a lot of clock, a lot of tick that he wasn't normally going to get. But 514 rushing yards last year, that was a shortened season. That really wasn't that bad for for how the season went. Eventually, mm -hmm. Trey Sermon took over, and that was <laughs> that was amazing. But this year, you, everybody's wondering. Like, I thought Mayan Williams was going to be running back one, and then they went to Travion Henderson, and then it went to, I think it was Marcus Crawley, and then Teague were back and forth for a little bit. Crawley got mm -hmm. hurt. Then it was Teague. He had 355 rushing yards 
on the season. 5.3 yards a pop. The one amazing thing about him, he had four touch. No, yes, he had four touchdowns this year, but he gets yards. Like for him to not have the wiggle and the elusiveness and the east-west ability, if you hit him, he's getting a yard or two extra every single time. That's amazing. But going to the NFL, you gotta. I, I just, I, I just don't see it. I know. I'm gonna top it to the chat here really quickly. Um, Troy hopped in and said, "Undrafted rookie or practice squad." When talking about Master Teague. And then we'll get into um, the comment Troy had and Jeremy had in, the, in a little bit. We'll, we'll definitely touch on those two things. But yeah. I think that's right. Undrafted rookie or practice squad, that's not a bad – like, that's not a knock. Like, you and I, we're going to be – we're going to be critical. We're going to tell you how, how we see it. But financially, yes, it's a lot be- – that's better than what I'm making. It's probably – I don't know what – Better know than what I'm making. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's going to be making, like, money on a practice squad. That's – I'm, sh- but that's a very short-lived lifespan on a practice squad. But if that's what he wants, go for it. Because you know what? He can go to the USFL or any of these spring football leagues, get paid there, go back and try to play in the fall somewhere. He can go back and forth and play football back and forth all year long. That that may be the route that happens. Hey, Mo, he may go sixth round and surprise some people. We just don't know what Master T is going to do. But I do think the future for Master T right now in the future, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to hear what the NFL scouts will say about him. We're going to yeah. have a scout here on the show down the road to talk about that very thing. So be on the lookout for that. NFL draft is right around the corner. You don't want to miss it. This is it the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture? You need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Netsuite.com slash locked on NC2A. You are listening to Locked On Buckeyes live here on a Monday part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every single day. Before we wrap up the show, we're going to use your comments here in the chat in the order that they came in. I love the hopping in. We're not having a live like call-in show. We'll just <laughs> live and read what's right here in the chat. Troy says this, Mo, and I'm going to give you the first stab at what Troy says. How is it that Ohio State has these types of receivers and the secondary players aren't getting any better practicing against these guys? Mo, the floor is yours. I think if we're going to evaluate the guys this year, they were all very young. And I think some of them did get better because, you know, it looks like a, a huge time. Like pro- scouts are going to start falling in love with next year and then really looking at him as a first round corner. Denzel Burke, we saw him get better throughout the season. Can he do it by himself? Cam Brown, Cameron Brown got better. He's returning to Ohio State. If I'm not mistaken, I think he, he said he yes, was coming yes. back. Martinez, they got better. Are they as elite as what we're used to? 
No. Because we are used to having, I mean, we once had Sean Wade, you know, who was undervalued, at, at, but we had him, Arnett, you know, Denzel on the same team at, as a secondary. So I get, we haven't had that star, but we were so young at that position that I don't really think you are only going to get but so good from, from a freshman, especially going against those guys. And it always makes you wonder, as great as those receivers are, how much burn are, are you really giving them against, you know, your freshman corners, even though they're starters, like you're not really doing, you know, first team defense versus first team offense when you're running, when you're in practice. So I, I don't, I almost wonder how much burn have they got in one-on-ones, how much, because every coach is different. Some coaches really fire up the competition and let it go. And then some like realize there's a huge drop off of talent and be like, you know what? We're not going to knock these guys confidence like that. And have Denzel Burke going in there trying to guard Olave, then Wilson, then JSN. Then you know what? We'll shake it up. And like they, he's probably going against Harrison Jr., Aboka, Emeka Aboka, uh, and Julian Fleming to keep it fair veteran-wise. So I don't know. I think they all got better, though. I do think they got better, and I think next year we'll start seeing those second-year guys really flash and start seeing that NFL potential DBs and get back to that because we're a couple years removed from that. There's one guy I think about when I think about not getting better, when thinking about this very thought. I think Cam Brown got better coming off of the injury. He got better. I think Denzel Burke got better. But if you look at the Michigan game, he was hurt in that game. And they were just picking on him because he was not 100%. And they realized we can pick on him. Ohio State has no pass rush. So K back and is not going to get touched. The one guy that you could say didn't get better is Seven Banks. But Seven yes. Banks also was nursing and dealing with numerous injuries throughout the season, which is also why he did not play in the Rose Bowl. So that's the one guy I was high coming into the season on him. I real I didn't realize he was hurt in the offseason. And so I don't know what his what's next for him, if he's going to come back or not. Like I I don't I don't know if that's been announced yet. But that's the one guy I can say when it comes to the corners. Second, well, Bryson Shaw, but Bryson Shaw's a backup. Like, let's just be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Bryson Shaw's a backup. He's only playing because Josh Proctor got hurt, and the coaches, for some odd reason, didn't put anybody else back there. They left him back there all game long. A couple times he would come out, but normal, like that was to me, that was one of the. If you, he was the weakest link in the, in the secondary. We look at corners. We look at uh, Ronnie Hickman's uh, bullet, and then the free safety. I do believe that the weakest link was Bryson Shaw, but he's a backup. Like he's not supposed to be on the field. He was also, I think, the third leader in tackles on the team. So like he did. Oh, he the free safety should not have that many tackles. Like he should not be your third leading tackler. But that's but, just the way things go. But like Troy said, you know, to answer, we we just been spoiled. So there's a dip off in. in no pass rush. When is the last time you were able to say that about Ohio State? No pass rush. No elite defensive end to get to the quarterback. So we, we've been so spoiled with elite of elite talent. Not just five-star guys, but first-round draft pick after first-round draft pick from defensive back who are who are quality corners in the league. Obviously, Okuda got hurt, but, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, one of the top five corners in the league. Denzel Ward, one of the top five corners in the league. Sean Wade got hurt again, but he started finding his niche in Baltimore and was a good slot corner. Damon Arnett, until he got in trouble, was pretty decent. Gary Unconley got a second chance in Houston and was pretty good. So you see all those DBs and you're like, what? Where's? why is there such a drop-off? We just got spoiled with having an elite talent for a few years, a great run at DB. And so we got to build back up. And I think Denzel Burke is that next guy. I think he's the guy to add his name on the list. Seven Banks was supposed to be. Even mm-hmm. Eli Apple, you know, we yeah. got so many guys, Von Bell. Like, we could go down the list of guys that are currently in the NFL. 
that we all seen in the past seven to eight years wear Ohio State Buckeyes uniforms. And so we just got spoiled. It became the normal. Defensive end after defensive end after defensive end. It became normal. Like it was like, who's replacing that guy? Oh, they say he's better than him. You went from the Bosa brothers to Chase Young. You, you know, we had Joey and then we had Nick and they said Nick was better than Joey. And then we get Chase Young and they said he's better than both of them. And then that's what, that's what Harrison was supposed <laughs> that's to true. be. That's true. Like we've had guys who under underachieved the century because Harrison was supposed to be that. Like, oh, yeah. he's, he might be better than Chase Young. We've clearly not seen that. That definitely is not proven. <laughs> but yeah, I think we just got spoiled at certain position groups and we're so used to being elite. But then, like, we've also improved that position groups. As much as we've had good wide receivers, we have an elite wide receiver room. Like, we have first-round picks, seven first-round picks. If they go anywhere else, they're all first-round wide receivers, and we have them all sitting in one room. So it's like we improved here, continuously having an elite offensive line, because we have the same thing with running back. We've dipped off at running back, too. We're used to Zeke and Beanie Wells and Carlos Hyde and J.K. Dobbins. Then we have that same expectation on Master Teague. And Trayvon Henderson played really well, but he still – he had his flashes, but he still hasn't proved us. He's baby Zeke or baby Dobbins yet, so – We've just been so spoiled, being so much more elite than everybody for so long. I think we just got to take a step back and just, you know, realize you're going to have some down years where your five-star athletes are nothing more than five-star athletes. You ain't got first-round picks all over. And I think that was the situation with Ohio State this year, especially just in position groups. And that's why I think they were getting better, but we have higher expectations for guys. Jeremy Johnson, we didn't forget about you. I'm going to tap into this one right now. Mo, the question is, and I'm going to make a little comment before you hop in. What are your thoughts on CJ being Heisman material next year? Jeremy Johnson, I believe CJ Stroud is Heisman material right now. I firmly believe that CJ Stroud should not have been the fourth in the Heisman voting. I think he's top three. There's an argument for top two. There's an argument that he should have been ahead of Bryce Young, and Bryce Young should not have won the Heisman. There's an argument for all, all of that. But Mo, what I want to say to you, you're a regular guest here on the podcast. We're going to say this all offseason long. It's January 3rd, 8.49 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to timestamp this because I believe we need to start the C.J. Stroud for Heisman campaign right now, right here on Locked on Buckeyes with you because C.J. Stroud, to me, he showed you. Dude, I'm watching some of these highlights on, like today, and I'm like, well, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. This means just it's like he's not real. These throws, this the throw to the side to Mecca Egbuka, dude. Your receiver just has to put your hand out. Like, put the put your hands where you're supposed to put your hands and catch the ball. Just put your hands out. Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't care whatever. Like his routes are amazing. He he could beat you off the line. All he has to do is put his hands out. Like the ball's going to be there. The pass to uh, Smith Smith and Jigba, the slot fader. Everybody's marveling at. All he had to do was put it. That was a it was a, it was a tough catch. Mm -hmm. But the ball was right where it needs to be. C.J. Stroud is doing things that Justin Fields didn't do. Mm -hmm. His Now, Justin Fields is an amazing quarterback. But I think C.J. Stroud has better anticipation. He can throw guys open. And the C.J. Stroud for Heisman is not hyperbole. It's real. We can start that campaign right now. Because we saw what he did in a three-week span after losing to Michigan, or four-week span between losing to Michigan, Heisman Trophy ceremony, till now. Bro, he got a whole he got a whole offseason. It's January. They don't play a game till September. I, I feel sorry for Notre Dame because that might be a molly whopping, destroying performance because he is trying to put everybody on notice that he is the best quarterback in the country. And, and you know what I want to point out is that, you know, people think that he was a benefit from the talent around him. 
So, like, he was as good. His numbers were as high because he had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and JSN. Yes, JSN had the, uh, uh, the greatest game we've ever seen in a bowl from a receiver. But, like, you took away Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and you put the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands, and, like, what are you going to do? And you've seen that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy because of C.J. Stroud. You've seen JSN is going to be a first-round draft pick. Talent-wise, he's there. But then C.J. Stroud was able to get the job done. He's playing with a whole different receiver group, so he got the job done when the circumstances weren't right around him. You didn't put a whole bunch of first-round receivers around him like you did all year to, to cop out, and he makes every throw you need him to make. And what I do love about him, the difference between him and pretty much every one of our past quarterbacks, even though I fell in love with the same thing about Dwayne Haskins, and we see how that panned out, but like because he doesn't use his legs, Mm-hmm. everything's from in the pocket. Can he extend plays out of the pocket? Yes. But is he really a threat on the run? No. Which goes to his makes his numbers more elite because, you know, I even said it, when we run the run pass option, we still run it, but we know only one of two things happening. C.J. Stroud is handing it off or is dropping back and throwing the ball. You don't have to play that third option of him keeping it and running. You don't have to worry about the linebackers committing to, to taking him on the run and stopping him from the run. They play pass coverage. So it makes it even more elite that that he gets his guys open. He throws his guys open. Like you saw that fade on fourth and one with Marvin Harrison Jr. There's not – it doesn't get better than that. There's not a quarterback probably in the world that throws it better than that. Not to say he's the greatest quarterback or anything, but that's the type that the elite quarterbacks make those throws. And and it's it looks like that from all of them on camera. You just drop it off right in his shoulder where, where he, has, he reads that the DB is on his back right shoulder. He just lets it flow right over his head, right into his left shoulder. It, it's, I mean, what he did in the Rose Bowl has to get you excited. And like I said, I told Jeff this, you know, uh, the other day. I said, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be a replay of what we saw with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. They are going to be battling all year for a Heisman and to see who's the number one draft pick. They are going to be the two most talked about guys in college football next year. All eyes will be on them. Because they're going to be chasing each other. They're going to be competing. They've competed since high school. Just like They're both from California. Just like, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are both from Georgia. They've been competing. Bryce Young may win a national championship this year. You remember, Trevor Lawrence won a national championship before Justin Fields really came on the scene. They're going to be going back and forth for who's the guy, who's the number one pick, and who's going to be the Heisman finalist, and who's going to overall hold the Heisman trophy. Obviously, Bryce Young has that. I think C.J. Stroud... C.J. Stroud will win the Heisman next year because I don't see Bryce Young outplaying C.J. Stroud to win back-to-back. And I think, obviously, somebody pops from somewhere that we're not thinking about or guys have great seasons and these Kenny Pickett's come out of nowhere. Defensive end plays absolutely amazing. It's you're really not thinking about, but we know the quarterbacks get all the love. And those are going to be the two best quarterbacks going in next year. DJU has already eliminated himself from that conversation because we thought these three guys were going to be really be competing for the number one, and DJU's gone. C.J. Stroud is definitely a Heisman finalist repeat next year, but I don't see a reason from what he showed me in the Rose Bowl. I don't see a way where anybody can outdo that. And we know he lights up Big Ten defenses anyway, so I don't really see anybody being able to outdo that because even at times, Bryce Young statistically wasn't amazing, but they won games. Nick Saban don't care about you winning the Heisman. I think Ryan Day wants that. I think he wants his guy to go get the Heisman. Let's get me a national championship because he needs to shake both of those off his back. You need a guy who really win the Heisman. That's important to people, and he needs that national championship. And I think C.J. Stroud can lead Ryan Day to the promised land on both next year. I think having the best quarterback in the country matters. We're going to close with this little thought here, something that popped into my head while you're talking about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. 
05, was it 04 and 05 seasons back to back? I think USC won the national championship in 04, 04 season, whatever the 05 champion, whatever that was. Then the 05 season, it was Texas, USC the entire time, led to the Rose Bowl, the tech, the Vince Young run to the corner that we all remember that play. We all remember that. But all season long, and I watched a documentary on the Texas Longhorns that year, they knew it was USC. That's who they had their eyes on. USC knew they had their eyes on Texas. They get in that Rose Bowl National Championship, pros on both sides. I don't know if Alabama and Ohio State internally right now, they're looking at each other saying, all right, Alabama, okay, well, you can win the, nat- the Natty this year because USC did the previous year. But Ohio State, gets, if they view Alabama like Texas and USC viewed each other back then, we could get – I'm not I'm not going to say get a, a, an all-time game next year. I don't I – don't, it's possible. But we could be looking at one of those games where Vince Young versus Matt Leiner is just going to be the same thing as C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. Highest in trophy winner the previous year, and Bryce Young, Matt Leiner the year before. An Alabama guy could win it the next year. I, gotta, I don't think it's going to happen, but Alabama guy could win it because USC won it. Uh, Reggie Bush won it the following year. But we could be looking at two heavyweights with two amazing quarterbacks playing in the national championship this year because Ohio State has talent. Alabama always has talent. This could be a heavyweight bout. We could see almost basically a year from now that's very similar to USC in Texas in that Rose Bowl in 06. I know we're I know we're projecting a year from now, but Mo, that thought came to my head and it could be rea- reality. Yeah, that's not unrealistic. And, and even like I said, you know, I compare it to the Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Only difference with them is they met two years in a row in the in the semifinal. Trevor yeah. Lawrence got the best of Justin Fields. Justin Fields played absolutely amazing that game. That one mistake where his receiver slipped and they weren't on the same page essentially ended the game and had Ohio State not win the game. But then Obviously, they come back next year. Justin Fields has an amazing performance heading into the national championship. All eyes were on both of those guys because they were 1A and 1B at that point in that game. And that's where I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, Well, I think they meet in the playoffs next year. Let's just be honest. Let's not panic at Buckeye Nation. Like, all right, Michigan beat us once. We'll, we'll see y'all again in 10 years. Like, this is right back to this is the Buckeyes, you know, uh, championship to win, you know, conference championship to win because everybody else has won except Michigan. So I'm not concerned about that. I think we still come back with the more talent. I'm really not worried about it, but I think we could get back there. And I think this could be every scout from everywhere is in attendance to watch a Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud. Like, and I think everybody would almost pray for that. I mean, we know Bama's got the talent. We know Ohio State has the talent. But to be able to get the two best quarterbacks heading into the draft in, on the same field and go mano y mano and know they're competing against each other to impress those scouts sitting up in the stands more, I think that would make for an all-time great game. We, you know, I'm sure throughout this, we'll talk about predictions heading, you know, in August and things like that. But that type of game would be what the world would need, what college football would need to make college football great again, especially if it became an elite, played game like like if it was another rerun of USC and Texas where it comes down to the wire great national championship or a great even just college football playoff game played I think that would be very important so I think there's something to look at from what we what I would consider the two best quarterbacks going into next year and the two best draft prospects going into next year at least offensively and at the quarterback position I see Hummus Hero and then a Riz Tashik I hope I said that correctly hop in the chat guys the show just about done. Thanks for hopping in. We will be live tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to try and start right on time. 
with Jeff Hunt, another gentleman from the Off the Ball Network. Him and I are going to start our grades, postseason grades this week, where we'll be talking about the offense. Mo Murphy, it's always fun when you can come on the show. Let the good people know where they can catch you on Twitter and also where they can catch all the good stuff you're doing at the Off the Ball Network. Yeah, you can always follow me here at Mo underscore Cheese 15. Uh, Myself and Stu are launching a new show, uh, Draft Capital NFL. We're gonna be covering the NFL draft, like I said, very hard. We're even gonna, you know, we're gonna launch it this week to talk about the prospects coming in uh, to the national championship, the guys to watch, players to watch, guys who could improve their draft stock in this game. Uh, and then you can always go follow Up in Flames anyway. You get your podcast, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. But you know, as always, you know, go to offtheballnetwork.com or offtheballnetwork.substack.com. We have now moved to Substack. For all our, you know, all our uh, articles and things like that, player rankings, uh, big boards, all that stuff is going now to the Off the Ball Network Substack. So make sure you subscribe there. And as always, uh, Jay, I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, man, no problem, no problem at all. For Mo Murphy from the Off the Ball Network, I am Jay Stevens. You can catch me on Twitter at jstevens07. This show, we're done for the evening. We'll be back tomorrow to start our series of giving grades for the Ohio State football team.